Arnold Schwarzenegger's autograph is 300 pounds. Somebody was selling it at Comic-Con. And I thought that's probably a good one to invest in because he's probably going to die soon, right? He's got the heart. His heart's been doing overtime for pretty long. Like he's not fat. He's just big. But your heart's still not meant to do that much work. It just fills me with fear for the future of humanity. And do you know what else is just laden with fear? Uh, it Chapter 2 out in cinemas right now. Play the intro. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting so good at it. It's meandering movies. It's meandering movies. It's meandering movies. So won't you lend an ear? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Meandering Movie Podcast. I don't know why I'm clicking. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a crab. <laughs> Please stop. Um, <laughs> that upsets the audio boy. <laughs> Crab walks into a bar and a barman says, Oi, you, get out. And the crab says, What the fuck? Why? You were in here yesterday giving it all of that. Yeah, that's a great audio joke. So it's, not a, it's a fucking terrible Because no one can see joke. what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone at home, I was doing sassy hand, uh, you know, crab hands. Sassy better. crab It's hands. even better when you explain it. Okay. I mean, you can cut it, you can leave it. Welcome to the Meandering Movie Podcast. I just like, you know, it's extras. Extras for our listeners. That they can't see or experience? They can, they can experience the audio. It's an audio... But you didn't make any noise with your hands. All right, fine. Welcome to the Manry Movie Podcast. I'm Gary. And I'm the man of a thousand compliments, Gavin. Give me one. Today, your moustache is looking fresh, thick and fine. That's a pretty good one. There you go, see. Uh, today, we're going to do what we do at the end of most months. Uh, although, I think this is releasing at the beginning of a month uh it's a movie roundup for a movie s- review roundup for the month of september, september 2019 i was right i was gonna say september i faltered i should have just gone with it i was here to pick up pick you up I and look, get you across the finish line <laughs> now it, it made it more obvious that i wasn't quite sure what month we're in i mean <laughs> we'll be in october soon Always the 10th month of the year don't tell the listeners that. Oh, okay. When we record these, they go out on the same day. Oh, of course, because <laughs> we are just overjoyed with free time. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And we, we don't have to edit the absolute shit out of these. Oh, of course we don't. We would yes, take we perfect. don't. <laughs> I've edited oh, twice. You're, you're so bitter about it. <laughs> we're take perfect. What are you talking about, audio boy? One take. That's why they call me One Take Copeland. Because I only take one take. You want to take that shot again? <laughs> I fucked it. It's the worst time to fuck something. Yeah. <laughs> so it, um, it's probably the biggest. We got a, we got a list of we got a list of eight films that we've. We're probably, so we're probably going to talk five or six. Yeah, five in. Some of them will and, maybe just give a wee glancing touch upon. Yeah. But the big ones that we wanted to talk about specifically, uh, and we'll start with it. Chapter, chapter two, two. Um, directed by Andy Michucci. Andy, who directed the first one? He's a Spanish man. <laughs> Sounds it from the name, Misasuchi. I don't know. But yeah, overall, um, uh, uh, it was a film that it had so much to follow. Well, it kind of didn't. It, it chapter one is a good film, I think. It's yeah. I was going to ask, did you like it? Chapter one. I came out of it. Chapter one, thinking it, it felt completely overhyped from everyone. But it holds together a, a, a decent chunk. Yeah. Um, definitely has its issue, issues, issues, and one take, one take. Copeland definitely has his issues, and 
you know, it's not the scariest movie, but it it had good acting. Um, the story's the story's it. Everyone knows it anyway, and it had some nice set pieces. So yeah, like overall, you can stick it on, you can watch it. It finishes. You feel like you've not lost time. But with it, chapter two. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> it was it it was flip okay the biggest issues i had with it one was it was just flip-flopping between being a straight out comedy yep. to jarring horrendous you know horror non-scary horror but the problem was it wasn't even scary horror it's just it it's it's so formulaic that it has lost all um, it's just lost all effort to to be frightening. Any tension, any fear, yeah. any sus- suspension of any suspense. It, and it's it's the, the setups are so painfully painfully obvious in that movie. And there's so many of them because yeah. of the structure of yeah. the story. Because every kid gets so every character who's now an adult. The the film actually wait the breakdown of the film is also another thing that just fucking doesn't justify it. It starts with them coming together, and then the the second act. Uh, they agree to go find their tokens, which we'll talk about. But the second act is literally a, a, a montage, effectively. And long montages, but effectively it's... How many kids are left at that point? Four? So it's eight segments of each kid, and then it shows you a glance into the history of them getting another fright from It the Clown, and then they're a grown-up, and then it shows you them getting a fright from It the Clown. And it follows that pattern for the entire second act. Yeah, One character, childhood grown-up next character childhood grown-up third you know what i mean yeah and it's all about like it it's them as an adult it then glances back to them as a kid showing what their token or totem or thing <sighs> was and then how that is an influential element in the defeating of uh, pennywise and then it flash forward back again to them being an adult and they've got their totem and there's one last scare from pennywise and then they run back to this empty hotel and i'm just like, like okay and then it's do it the second one and do it with her. and then yeah, by the, the time, empty hotel which at no point has a single other person in there's it there's no member of staff <laughs> no, the entire town of Derry is just devoid empty. of humans and it's, it's weird except, well, other than the beginning yeah, except in the beginning of the carnival and stuff. And then when uh, James McAvoy's character goes into the wee shop and Stephen King's the shop Stephen owner, King's which I was just like, one, I was like, oh, because uh, Stephen King used to do a whole bunch of cameos for his movie. But at the same time, it's like, I can't stand Stephen King. So <laughs> I saw him and I was like, oh, this is going to be tragic. And then when the other guy goes to the pharmacy, there's people there and the director has a cameo in that segment. He's standing in the background at one point. Oh, there's a director. He's put himself in his own film. That's quite Why sad. are they doing that? It's sad. Don't do it, directors. Don't do it. Unless you're Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Don't do it. Can't get away with it. Um, but yeah, but then, like, because when it gets to the, the guy at the pharmacy, it cuts to him and I went, oh, fuck. We, like, because just to say, all right, it, chapter two is two hours and 49 minutes long. Mm. It's, it takes on fucking Return of the King level length of runtime. And it feels... It's insane. So when it gets to that guy's uh, totem-grabbing segment, I'm just like, oh my God, we've not even got through this guy's yet. And there's, once we get through that, there's still so much more to yeah. get through. And I'm like, I just kind of slumped down my he's seat. He's the last one. one, isn't he? Yeah, he's the last and one. And then he the third act, but it's thing. still fucking... But it's like, I remember just slumping down in my seat, putting my head against the wall and just giving out this kind of long sigh of oh, I like I don't want to keep doing this like this has just yeah. become 
fatigue has not only set in, it's taken over my body and is now dismantling it piece by piece <laughs> until I turn into just dust of not caring anymore. Sorry, don't you mean alcohol poisoning? I'm sorry. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. In my case, here's what my I case should have done. Fatigue. Here's what I realised is before I walked into it, I was like, oh, I might actually just grab like a wee beer or something and take that with me in. And I didn't do that because I was like, should have oh. done that. Because I was like, I'll need to pee and then I'll be up. I was like, I wish I'd gotten at least four pints. Walked in, just like, you know those, like, when you get four drinks at McDonald's and they put them in the wee yeah, tray yeah, thing? A little cobble tray. I should have walked in with that, a four pints, <laughs> sat it down in my lap and just went, just gone to town. Just, let's do this. Come on, let's get and this maybe over you would fallen asleep by the end of it because you maybe, you know, had one too many and that wouldn't have been a bad thing. I would have, been, I would have missed it. You would have been happier. Because I'm on the, I'm on the similar page of you. I, I liked it, chapter one. The dynamic between those kids was great. It was very Stranger Things esque, yep. like or Goonies esque. It was in that kind of time of uh, media where everything was kind of going back to the eighties. Mm-hmm. Those kids were great together. Uh, 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 Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise was like just so exciting to look yep. at. Some of the set pieces, some of the imagery was quite haunting. The comedy horror aspect was an issue, but it wasn't. Wasn't damaging for it the film. It didn't feel as it didn't feel as glaring. In yeah, the first it didn't one. feel like it just because it, it separated them enough in the sense that in the first one you would have a horror sequence. It would try and be as scary as possible. Then afterwards they'd have the the whip on the whiplash. But in that case, the the kids trying to deal with the horror yeah. and they do that by making jokes and yeah, it was mum jokes and stuff like that. And it was like it feels like they're just trying to cope with. Yeah, what's they felt going like on. actual kids dealing with the situation you're in. And Whereas it was, in it chapter two, halfway through. Halfway through any sequence, uh, Bill Hader will just crack crack a joke. Or the the, the guy who was um, the hypochondriac would just... Yeah. Like, there's that scene where he stabs the guy, and then he walks out of the bathroom making jokes about his mullet and stuff. And I'm just like, well, like, what movie are we in right now? That scene in... Tiley though, when he gets stabbed in the face and then he steps into the bath, yeah, and he's like he, laughing. He's like, ha, 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 ha. and it, I, it, it was it, shot totally like, so weird. Yeah, it was shot and kind of edited in a comedy kind of sense. It was yeah. so bizarre. Like the entire film, like I sat there through that entire film, which was just unpleasant by the end. Mm-hmm. And the entire audience around me was just in hysterics the entire time. There was me- never, there was never one moment that. I saw anyone in that audience react scared. There was no Dave and I laughed (gasps) way more than than we jumped. I jumped once, and bizarrely, the bit that made me jump had nothing to do with it, the clown. Nothing to do with Pennywise, a single moment. It was the lumberjacks uh, jump Oh, yeah, it just came from nowhere. I don't know, but I I knew it was coming. I knew exactly, because he's looking at the lumberjack statue, and then it's gone, and he's like, oh, my God. And I was like, well, the lumberjack thing's oh, fuck, it did scream. That was the only one that gave me a genuine fright, and even that was such a cheap... Yeah. For me, personally, never once was I... In fact, not not that I wasn't even scared. It's that film... I was never scared. Well, I I mean, like... I got a fright. I never never jumped. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. what I realised coming out of that film is I had no, I had not a single emotional reaction to that film. Yeah. I didn't laugh because I like I didn't sign up for a comedy and I didn't find it funny. None of the jokes landed. The, yeah. And the stuff that was, wasn't was supposed to be funny, but the audience were still laughing at, I was just looking on being like, you failed at your film at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I was never scared. I was never frightened. I never jumped. I never smiled. I never, just nothing. I just, just looked struggled. on at that totally. film just completely devoid of any emotional response just being like this is this film has completely failed and, what and, it's out and following on that train so that's why it fails as a horror fundamentally yeah 
it then fails as a movie for me because you're right that they they did the smart thing of cutting down the cast because in the first one although it works well there are way too many main cast members there's what seven six kids seven kids plus the bullies and stuff like plus that. the bullies so there's a there's a lot of cast plus members to as well so in the sequel they've cut that down to five which is still a hefty undertaking but at least you've got the groundwork from the first one and then you can kind of yeah. streamline it whatever but then the interactions that they try and continue with so the two main ones mike uh who's the the only black character his he i don't know starts in dairy leaves he, stays he, in dairy and he is the deliverer of exposition that's his character yeah he, and, and another me and the token black character he really achieves fuck all throughout the entire film other than getting them there and fucking them yeah, over. He, he literally <laughs> he's a propellant for the plot and a deliverer of the expositional information that yep. i guess is required but i just didn't care and it was so like it didn't give anything of worth except or oh, here's how we're gonna kill pennywise yeah yeah here's here's the story of pennywise he's a he's a comet an alien comet made of three lights and he attacked a native american tribe as a bird i think yeah okay more stuff that's never quite explained so so mike really has no no take on the on the main story one of the kids kills himself very early on we should have done a spoiler warning, but I just assume if you're listening to this, you know we're going in depth. That uh, <laughs> I've got to say, that poor actor who played that character and then had to go through all the PR rounds, going <laughs> on to all the interviews and stuff, being like, I hadn't even oh, thought yeah. of that. And then he's in the movie for less than <laughs> maybe two minutes. And he then just, he just like, says goodbye to his wife and then just goes up to the bathtub bath. and just yeah. kills, kills himself. And then he has to spend the next two months going to press junkets, press junkets. and <laughs> getting interviewed by MTV News and stuff about it, chapter two. And he's just like, it's like the the guy who played a Slipknot in the Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> He's literally in the movie for twenty whole yeah. seconds, and it had to spend two months going to flying around all over the world. But I mean, it's, I guess it's not. Do you bad. get paid for the junkets, uh, or is it a part of your contract? Your I think obligation? it's part of the contract overall. That's a bummer. But then, of course, if you're like a Will Smith or something, then there's oh, well, you're Will Smith. It's part of the job. But if you're yeah. if you're the guy, the guy who played, played Slipknot. Slipknot in Suicide Squad, <laughs> it's part of your contract. You're going to play along. And the worst thing about that poor fella, he turns up to the junket, and then say the six of them are there, and the you know the interviewer goes, "So Will Smith, Margot Robbie, how was it on set? You other four, we'll get to you." And by the time you get around to him, he's like, "Sorry, Slipknot, we actually don't have the time." Uh, so, do you have a good day? Brilliant. Anyway, today on this morning, <laughs> yeah, because it's going to be all like. So, like, Jared Leto was doing crazy stuff on the set, wasn't he? That's cool. Uh, so, uh, I love how we're just calling him Slipknot and not by the, the man's name. I didn't want, I didn't want to make I a know. mistake. We're just like, uh, and so Slipknot's like, Did, uh, tell us about your character. And the guy's like, he likes ropes. Likes ropes, he's good at rope stuff. Like, okay, cool. Wait. So, Will Smith, tell me more about yeah, your so, relationship. Yeah, so Will Smith, we heard with... you're, you've got this next project coming. I mean, this is even <laughs> further <laughs> exemplified by the fact that you don't even know his name. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah, poor guy. But then that brings us to the two main relationships in the movie, which are uh, James McAvoy McAvoy and Jessica Chastain and Ben, their little love triangle. And I can't remember Ben's actor's name. I can bring these up. Bring it up. Bring it up. And the other one being Bill Hader and, as you refer to him, the hypochondriac. So unfortunately to Ben and hypochondriac, you are not well-known actors enough. (laughs) So the (laughs) hypochondriac character or guy... He plays Eddie Kasprak, uh, and it's James Rassone who plays okay. him. And then uh, Ben, who was the fat kid in the original movie and has now grown up and got all buff and fit and handsome, is played by Jay Ryan. That's the most, just like... Jay 
Ryan. I'm an attractive man and my name is Jay Ryan. <laughs> and his character's called Ben Hanscom. So yeah, so you've got the love triangle and 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 character driven story of uh the Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, and James Rusho Rusco. And it is problematic. No, okay. so James. Don't get the no, other one. J ben. Ryan was the J Ryan. He's the other part of that. So the their their whole thing, very briefly, is is she's so she's been carrying badly around done. so badly done. She's been carrying around the yearbook page. No, he's, she's she's got the the postcard, but she keeps the postcard gets left in her old house. Remember? Yeah, because that's her totem that she goes back to collect from the crazy old lady. So, oh man, it's like thinking about it again. It's just so painful. She's it's such a mess. She's carrying around the postcard, which she thinks was written by James McAvoy's character, which ends up being written, and we know as the audience was written by Jay Ryan's character. And for context, she would have been carrying that around, or she would have known or had that. A postcard in her head for 27 years because she 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 fell in love with the postcard yeah. and in the first film it's kind of it's the wee hinted poem. That she thinks no it's not even hinted she thinks it's james mcavoy's character yeah. and she basically falls in love with james mcavoy's character and always at the knows, end of the movie and stuff and because no halfway through the movie yeah and then and that sad scene of ben he sees it he oh, he's all sad and then when it's ramping it up and they're trying to kill him, he separates Jessica Chastain and, and Jay Ryan's characters. And somehow we, we need to do a podcast episode on, we did a podcast episode on bad movie villain plans. We yes. need to do a, a follow up on that on, on it's general Pennywise's plan. Pennywise's yeah. fucking deal. So he throws Jessica Chastain and Ben into two dream sequences where he's getting, drowned in mud and she's drowning in toilet blood, blood. water yeah well and her like family and stuff trying to like get in and like torment her and stuff and making a shining reference yeah of course and he's shouting i love you it was me i wrote the postcard and she eventually hears him through the dream and they save each other great what the fuck yeah but, like, but how is that the driving force of your movie it's so weak and it shows just how poorly developed these characters are because you just don't care because it chapter one is a perfect example of like those characters work really well together they develop really well together they have that wonderful chemistry that great dynamic the kid actors are so good together and those characters become more yeah. because of their experience with pennywise in this movie we have the setup of these are our characters then they do the totem thing which doesn't even give us that great an insight into those characters and then they're just it tries with bill hader and and, and eddie but we'll explain We'll yeah, talk we'll about that to, in a second. Yeah, we'll get to that problem. The main and then it, problem. But then it just puts them in the plot camp of, oh, we need you to be uh, drivers of the plot now. We need you to get to the yep. point where we can fight Pennywise. So as characters now, you're done. You're you're just tools to get the plot to the end. And then it's like, well, I didn't care in the beginning. And I care even less now. And then like when they're in danger and stuff and they're being threatened and they're in these terrible, uh, horrific situations and they're, they're terrified. And it's like... I don't care. Yeah. This isn't scary. There's no tension because I'm not invested. So, and these characters are just vessels at this one, empty vessels. It's like, and the whole, I've loved James McAvoy for 27 years, but never told him. And I then literally just found out this guy's actually the one who wrote the podcast. The, the podcast. Now I love him. The, po the, the podcast. That's just something like, Wait a minute, Ben, you recorded a podcast <laughs> for me? With a, with a beautiful if only it was that easy, eh, Gavin? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
God. If only I could just record a podcast to make someone fall in love with me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, and then she just completely, yeah, at the end of the film, oh, wait, you wrote the, the postcard? Yeah, I, I wrote that postcard that you've been in love with the 27 years. Oh, cool. Well, fuck McAvoy, me and you. You're, you're pretty hot. And then there's that. You used to be fat, but now you got a six pack, so I'm down with that. And then there's the scene where like they then kiss and James McAvoy knows they're kissing and he just kind of like, Smiles and He's walks like, away. And I'm like, oh, really? Because if I was him, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, what the fuck that's is going on here? You're in love with me. Yeah. I mean, I know James McAvoy's married in it, but it very it it, it tries to highlight that he's oh, still yeah. got the emotions. I, I, even, I mean, listen, I've got Jessica Chastain's character's married to an abusive husband. Yeah. I mean, you can you can forgive that one for flipping I know, away, but it's just like McAvoy that's, kissing Chastain. That, no, but here's a problem of just like. It it shows that she's been a part of an abusive relationship. She's got bruises up in her arms and stuff yep. like that. The guy's beat her around. What effort does the film make to explore that? Nothing. Not a single one of her friends that she knew when as a kid mentions her bruises or her relationship. They yeah, don't even actually, ask, like, what's what's that in your arm? They don't ask about it. They don't know. Oh, are you they don't are you it's married? Just, yeah. Nothing. Because these characters aren't characters. They don't They're just fuck. things They're to service points. the boring <laughs> plot. And that brings us to the worst, the most egregious, there's your word, uh, example. Bill Hader's and and the hypochondriac kid's love story? Yeah. Like, uh, so the final piece of this fucking mess of a puzzle, and we'll do this for, not quickly, but we'll at least try and wrap this it up after this. Um, throughout the course of the film, Pennywise starts ribbing on on Bill Hader's character. Like, I know your dirty I know your secret. secret. I know your dirty I know secret. Your, uh, and Bill Hader wants to run away from the truth and he's making jokes and he's wisecracking and he keeps flashing back to times where Bill Hader and that kid aren't intimate, but they spend a lot of time together. And he always shows you them guys, they like touching a lot and they've got their feet in each other's faces and it shows you that those two had a, they were more best friends than the rest of them. Yeah. Um, There's more of a connection between them. Then the film starts off with a a scene where a gay guy gets beaten up then Bill Hader's token scene shows him getting accused of being gay then Pennywise starts accusing him of I know your secret which you can by that point extrapolate is he's gay then the other guy dies and the film finishes that arc of him learning who he is and coming out and and being proud about his you know know, being proud about who he is I wouldn't even see it does that no it, it doesn't it does all of that by showing you him scratching the guy's initial into a fucking bench or something a, while crying yeah, a fence next to a bridge is that like what the fuck it's once again how is uh, that again yeah, how is an- that another fucking plot point to progress your film it's another depressing example of Hollywood being terrified to say that a character is gay but feeling that they are progressive enough by just having them exist there. Yeah. It, it's it's this, this frustrating thing that continues that way. Uh, Harry Potter is a perfect example where like, J.K. Rowling just like, oh yeah, Dumbledore's gay. It's like, maybe just say it. Don't, it's like, it's not <laughs> Put just, it in your book. If you say it, it's not going to like set the book of light. It's not going to burn your hands. But it like, would have oh, hurt Homosexuality, sales. that's, it's evil. It's going to burn our movie. It's yeah, just, man. why are you so afraid to just like, see this character? Because even with Fantastic Beasts 2, they're like, there's the hinting that there was a relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Grindelwald. But do they even make an effort to be like, there was something, no, they just, 
completely dance past it and go to something yeah. else. I'm like, why are you so afraid, Hollywood, to just up, say man. a character is gay? That's all it is. And, and the thing is, it now looks worse for them, bizarrely, because they've they've pussyfooted around it. And rather than, oh, just, yeah, they, they, rather than just saying, yeah, he's gay and he was in love with that kid and that kid's dead and now he feels miserable. And having a scene where Bill Hader wants to tell Eddie or something like that, nah, you don't get any of that. You just get Bill Hader looking sad and he's maybe gay or he maybe isn't gay. But but like every other character in that film and every other thing, it just bulldozes past yeah. it, makes no effort to explore it. Or sp- How can you have two hours and 49 minutes and achieve nothing? It's it's astonishing. <laughs> it's astonishing. <laughs> they have two hours and 49 minutes and they don't do anything with Final it. Final words. I mean, So there you go, guys. Don't go see it. You want to give it a recommendation? Absolutely not. Nope. And I'm going to give it a solid. Such a disappointment. I was looking forward to it because I enjoyed the first one enough. It's not the worst film I've I've seen. It's. Oh, it's definitely not the worst film I've seen this year. So I'm going to say I'm going to give it a three though. It's it's below. It's below the the even the halfway mark. So final thoughts on it. One of the final thing I want to say is their tokens are the dumbest fucking thing. James McAvoy has the paper boat that he gave his kid, his kid brother. Yeah. Fine. That one makes sense. Georgie. Uh, Hiya, Georgie. Ben has his. Uh, yearbook that the uh, girl he's in love with signed. No one else that bids. one's fine. That makes sense. Then Beverly has the postcard, which she's in love with. Fine. Those three, no problems from me. Mike, what was his totem? Was it not just the fucking tub thing? I don't remember him putting anything in. He just has that tub. And he's like, you got to put your totems in now. No, he put a rock in. Remember the... <laughs> What? <laughs> a rock? Remember he got hit with a rock? Oh, in the in rock the f- fight. Yeah, the, yeah, fine. So a rock, which I... Okay, actually, kind of. <laughs> like, But Bill Hader's and the kid that killed himself and the other kid, actually, their three totems were... Sure, so the hypochondriac ca- was an asthma pump. Yeah. Which, although is a part of his character, has nothing to do with the group's fight with it. No. It's just something he... When you say an asthma pump, do you mean an inhaler? Yeah. Okay. I just never heard the term asthma pump Let's just assume before. it's an English thing and fly past okay. it. Asthma pumps. Okay. It's an English do either thing. of you have asthma? No. Yes. Well, you should know better, audio boy. <laughs> I've always called it an inhaler. <laughs> I'm just too perfect, so I don't need an asthma, uh, <laughs> asthma pump. Um, so asthma, the inhaler, uh, doesn't make any sense. Then... Going down the stupid line. Actually, these last two are just dumb as fuck, and they're on, on an equal level for I me. I mean, maybe with inhaler, you could argue that it's a factor, like he gets afraid, so he needs to inhale. I mean, yeah, but it doesn't, it's, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a part of the group story. It just feels like something that's so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's, he probably had asthma before it. <laughs> he, true, asthma, he, he, he had asthma he was after an, it. He was like, a hypochondriac, he definitely did. <laughs> so then the, the final two, which are the dumbest ones, uh, the kid that kills himself, his totem is a hairnet. No, it's a shower cap. Shower cap, sorry. To protect from spiders in their uh, den. secret bunker den. Yeah. And Which Bill Hader's doesn't exist totem. in the first movie as introduced in this one. <laughs> and a Bill Hader's totem is a uh, arcade token. Yep. Explain that one. I there mean, ain't. There ain't no explanation. It's just a fucking arcade token because they have a flashback with him in an arcade where a kid calls him gay and he runs away. And And... I mean, fair enough, because I was trying to think about it afterwards. Finn Wolfhard? Is that yeah. his kid's, that kid's name? In the first film, I was like, what the fuck is his thing in the first film? He's just a kind of wisecracking asshole. He just makes like a bunch of like mum jokes stuff and all this. So they don't, he doesn't, there's nothing he could, they could really even show you from the first film that would have made sense. But that is so unbelievably pointless. It's such a nothing 
thing. I mean, the, the whole totem thing becomes pointless because they do it, it doesn't work. And then they just realise... <laughs> And then they just do the same thing they did in the first one, which is they just... They insult it until it They stop being afraid of him, belittle him, and make him nothing. And I'm like, well, you did that the first time. Right, wait, 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 wait. Let's move on. Because otherwise we're just going to moan about it. We just have to to change the fucking episode's title to What the Fuck Was It Chapter 2? Let's fire into (laughs) the second blockbuster movie. (laughs) I guess, yeah, Ad Astra would be the next one. Yeah. We'll fire into Ad Astra, uh, directed... By Gary Jones. I Gary Copeland. Did I direct this? I forgot about that. My time in Hollywood. Brad Pitt was a nightmare on set. Tommy Lee Jones. No, James uh, Gray. James. Oh fuck, it's not even a Gary. Nope. God damn it. James Gray, uh, James Gray directed it. Uh, the previous film he did, if anyone saw it, was uh, Lost City. Did James Gray not have an album out? I mean, maybe a different James Gray. I'm thinking of Earl Gray. T. James Earl Jones. I mean, that's what James Gray looks like. I'm having too many things. Of David Gray. David Gray. That's probably the one so I'm his, thinking his of. Previous film was not, not the T Earl Grey. Oh, good God. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> his previous film was The Lost City Z with Charlie Hunnam and Robert Pattinson. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of it, but people fucking loved it and I got a lot of praise. Uh, this film stars Tom Lee Jones, Brad Pitt, Donald Sutherland, uh, other human beings. <laughs> this is a polarizing film yeah. for a lot of people. Like a lot of people. It's, it's been hidden, miss. And I'm. I, def- I, I I can straight out say I enjoyed it. I, I did. I came out of it and I thought that was good. I did enjoy it. It was cerebral. Um, I liked the message at the end of the movie, which I think was a... Uh, I think what it was trying to say was good. However, I think it was muddled in its efforts to get what it wanted across. Yes, because uh, it tries to be two different films. Yeah. Which and is a problem. The and two the two films different films it tries to be are so polarizingly different <laughs> that they clash at times. You're just like, what the fuck movie am I trying to watch yeah. right now? So what kind of movie are you what trying are to what are those two me? films, Gavin? So in one sense, you have this kind of, uh, as you said, cerebral, uh, thought-provoking, slowly-paced, very introspective movie. Yeah. All about through, a man looking for his yeah. father and, and, and looking for yes, answers. It's all guided through the lens of Brad Pitt's character, who is a fascinating character, who I could have just continued to listen to and explore. But at the same time, it tries to be a sci-fi action movie with James shootouts, car chases, and... Uh, 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 moon buggy chases. Sorry, moon buggy chases <laughs> with pirates and... Uh, moon pirates. Moon pirates and a buggy chase and then fucking... Uh, a random spaceship filled with man-eating baboons. Yep. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? Because I here's what I understand what they tried to do. They like the director. Like I'm making this very introspective, cerebral mm. kind of movie, very thought-provoking with this main character. It's slow. It's so sci-fi. Kind of like, it's like very sexy sci-fi in the way it goes. But we need to punch it up a wee bit the studio yeah. was like let's punch it up a wee bit let's get a couple of scenes in there it's like, the studio went hey we like all these scenes of people talking because yeah. it shows the characters really well oh yeah. thanks but there's also too many of them we want to we want to see some guy get shot in the head I want to see a man with no nose get eaten by a baboon and I want to see well, a, no, he gets his nose eaten off by oh, yeah, I want to see that and I want to see a woman uh, splat against the door in space because she didn't wear a seatbelt he's like ooh how do I do that and uh, <laughs> the tutor was like we don't care and his response was to do it not very well because the two just cram him in it's so <laughs> it's so blatant when it happens like you go from this, these really slow scenes where Brad Pitt's just uh, kind of 
he's giving these wonderful monologues and he's like, who am I? What am I? What was, what was my father doing? And then a colonel jumps in and goes, we're going to go across the moon and there are moon pirates <laughs> yes. out there. So watch out, Brad Pitt's character. And then they're just driving across the moon and then Brad Pitt's just like, what's that over there? And then like, we, do, got do, pirate, do, do, we got moon pirates coming in, Captain. Ah, oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. What was the perp? What were they going to steal off that buggy? I Sh- don't I, fucking know. Shut up. <laughs> battery or something I don't fucking but, but don't you just love the idea it's like we've got because what was the name of the the, the the organization that he was working with just like em, oh like Emion Emion it's got yeah, an eye in like it like this massive corporation that has spaceships that can land on the fucking moon and Mars and, and Mars. fly to Neptune yep. but they can't make us they can't land their spaceship on the other side of the moon, they have to land on this side of the moon and then traverse across a large swath of land filled with pirates. Yeah, I like the, the, the science in it. Weirdly, the science in one of those things of just like, what are your bellies rubbing? Are we, don't we, we dumb as hungry. Uh, the science of it. But then I, however, in its defense, I'm always, I'm the one guy that will stand up and say, you can't pick the holes in the science of a sci-fi movie. The whole point of it's sci-fi. Don't, you don't question why the rocket can't land on the other side of the moon. It just fucking can't. And so we can have a space buggy pirate gunfight. Yeah. That's when like, because I, I'm like you. I like this movie. I came out of it. it I thought it, it said some interest. It had some interesting themes. It, had, it said some interesting things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was sitting there watching, going, "When those so, space monkeys yeah. and all, I'm just like, get out of the movie." The, I mean, you are, you are 100 right. The three, the three parts of the film that I did think were just like, "What the fuck was that?" Uh, Moon buggy chase was bizarre and so like such a fucking just so, crammed in there. So dumb. Like, um, so dumb. Then the b- space baboon scene. I I like that it... Sh- what I liked about it is I liked that it showed you that Brad Pitt is, unfortunately... doesn't matter how secret his mission is. He's outranked. And he's got to just fucking do as he's told because he's I a just, soldier. I, I mean, with that scene, I almost didn't mind it if it had been slower and more tense. Yeah. And the, the kind of drawn it out a wee bit. Well, and it wasn't... Comp- the most well-lit place ever. Well, well that's what I was going to say. Because well, what I liked about it is that the whole film touches on, is there life out there? And then yeah. that scene, you're kind of going, oh, shit, is there an alien attacking that man? Oh, no, it's a baboon. Oh, oh, so this scene's pointless. Yeah, and it's like, it's, <laughs> the scene, like, they get in the spaceship, and then it happens so fast, and he kills it, and then he gets off the spaceship, and it's all really well-lit, so it's not, like, scary. It's not dark. Mm. And there's no tension, because you're... Cause, you're more trying to figure out what's happening than you are scared. And then it just doesn't really achieve anything. And then he just goes back to the ship and then he just goes the to Mars. The captain's dead and the new captain takes over. And I'm just like, what was that? It's like, there was no point to that. It, and didn't, then it served the film nothing. The final big scene that I didn't like was the Mars scene itself, which I, I it added absolutely, absolutely nothing to the movie. He goes, sorry, it does. The message he sends to his dad when he gives his nice message. And that's of, when he starts to break down a wee bit. That bit was fine. The the scene directly after that, where the woman goes, I, I worked on Project Lima and your dad killed my parents. Oh, okay. And then she helps him get onto the spaceship and that's her entire part. It's just an extra character they've thrown at you. There's no explanation of who she she's is. She's there to just service the plot. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, so yeah. Saying that, also that I he think g- he gets onto the ship. And then accidentally kills three people. <laughs> well, they actually, they kill themselves. But it's so awkward. <laughs> the one woman just flies into a wall. The other guy, I can't remember. Uh, then the the captain is, I'm going to shoot you if you don't, oh, you, yeah, you put your hands up. And then he shoots the other guy by accident. And then he shoots a canister of 
like something and he dies. Chlorine or something and then it suffocates It's so both. awkwardly done. Yeah. They're the so like, so how do we get Pitt. these three characters out of the ship? And I was like, let's just... Without go. Brad Pitt being the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... Like, uh, this, that's the bad stuff about this film. Right? There's, there's probably more bad stuff that you can pick apart, but I don't want to just spend another five minutes picking this one apart because we did both enjoy it. So, yeah. you know, what did we like about the movie? I think the central character is fascinating and the monologues that Brad Pitt's... It's like the, the psychological studies that he does with the mm. robot where he's like, he just kind of tells about his day and how he feels about his day. And then the monologues he gives as well about the kind of introspection he has about his father and his place and all of this. So interesting. It mm. kind of felt almost noir-esque at times where like you've got the gruff detective who's like, he's doing a horrible case and he's just monologuing about life yeah. and the yeah. galley loss and stuff. It's like, it's like a noir in space at points and I kind of loved that. And Brad Pitt's great in this film because he's so subtle in his performance. Yeah. Because you could almost... It's not his usual Brad Pitt. No. Funnily enough as well, talking about literally him two weeks ago, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where yeah. he's playing the self-assured... It was definitely longer than two weeks ago. Was it? Oh, my oh, yeah. God. Uh, when he's talking about the... He's the self-assured cowboy, and that's what yeah. we both said. Like, that's what's great about Brad Pitt. You get Brad Pitt, he's self-assured, he just rocks it, he swings his dick about. And then in this film, you're seeing the opposite side of that. You're seeing this this... Still self-assured, but self-assured in a way. Well, that, he's good at his job, and he knows yeah. he's good at his job. But as a human being, he's he's got he's got the issues. Horrendously damaged, but he's so efficient at his job, and he's so he cares so much about being good at his job that he's able to switch off yeah. his like the emotional part of his brain, push it aside, and say, "I this is a, a distraction that I don't need." But the longer the film goes Which affects on, his relationship with Liv Tyler. Yeah, it affects his relationship with his wife. It affects him as a individual and like in situations where he almost seems kind of cold and sociopathic but then the longer the film goes on the closer and closer he gets to his father the more he learns about what his father's mm. done it slowly starts to the emotions start to push the career man aside and they start yeah. to take over again he starts to break down and and he just gives his wonderful moment and then he finally yeah. gets to his father and it's just his father's just a dick he's, he's it, it's I but and that's there and that's the final thing in it which is well the thing was he's talk, the, like, I like the father says like they messed it up and I'm trying to fix it they caused the pulses not me I'm not the bad guy but he he's been the bad guy he pushed them to do that yeah so he was the 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 motivator for them fighting back causing these problems and now he's trying to fix the problems that he's caused while at the same time find out if there's life out there mm -hmm. I'm really annoyed the film didn't go down that route of being like there is life out there oh see I'm, I disagree I like the fact that it didn't and the re sorry the reason why because I suppose you've got to explain why you like something rather than <laughs> explain why you didn't the reason why is at the end of the film when the whole message is don't spend your entire life searching for something that may or may not be there be happy with the relationships you do have it's pretty on the nose but the fact that the dad went the entire length of the, the, the solar system looking for intelligent life rather than just accepting that he has a family he has loved ones he, he has people that care about I mean, that him. fucking scene was like i never cared about you or your mother your mother were just, yep. just distractions that got away and i was like oh yeah totally. i feel like i'm looking in a mirror right now and then <laughs> doesn't make sense and then uh i wasn't looking at mirror. i was looking through a window into my past <laughs> and then you know and then brad pitt comes back and he's got that little scene with his wife at the end which is all it's all very on the nose but i just loved it i love the fact that the I it love shows that there's hope for the character. Yeah, I love aliens. I wish there had been aliens, but in this film, I'm okay with it not being for that reason. It, it's it's not about the life out there. It's yeah. about Brad Pitt coming to terms with, I have 
I got connections that I need to deal with. I guess with at if home. they had at that very moment done an alien thing, it would just felt hokey and forced. Yeah, exactly. So I can, and I did like that ending. And, and I think it, it adds more weight to the, the the fake outs with the aliens the entire film, you know, because yeah. it's, it's and I agree, it's constantly building up to there's going to be aliens out here because then there's a through the the rocks at Neptune there's like a little blue light and, yeah, I, think, and I was like oh is that going to be something? I said I was like oh is that an alien spaceship coming towards and someone's like no it's just the sun and I went oh okay like, but it's, <laughs> oh, the way it's filmed it, it yeah. you know you're not quite sure yeah I, I like that it didn't I suppose the, uh, the thing I really liked about this film is it had a lot of ambition to it but unfortunately it didn't have the budget behind it mm. to do the CGI for those kind of ambitious moments. Because yeah. a lot of the CGI in this film is really dodgy. And you're like, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you said, it, you, weirdly, you said that. I didn't pick up on it at all, but you said about Brad Pitt's beard at the end and a few yeah, other like things. Yeah, like the CGI like, beard at the end and like all the stuff, like the space station in the beginning when he's like walking around, like, ooh, this looks a bit kind of... I just didn't pick up on any of it, uh, which yeah. maybe I was just not paying enough attention. I mean, some of it looks good and other bits, it's like all the stuff, like the the pirate martian fight thing yeah i thought oh, these are just cgi blobs to f- shooting at each other like, <laughs> this is nothing I like, <laughs> so yeah at astra recommend or not i definitely recommend it and i would give it a i'd give it a solid seven or eight out of ten i, I need a second rewatch before i could solidify my number what is the next movie gavin for our listeners to enjoy us talking about new uh, theme tune let's go for hustlers <laughs> now hustlers is going to be a fun one because Audio Boys uh, hasn't told us why, but told us that it's going to be an interesting conversation between us. Yes. So, Gavin, what did you think about Hustlers? I really enjoyed Hustlers. Fuck off, did you enjoy it? Yes. What? Did you not enjoy Hustlers? Nah. I mean, that, this is surprising oh, sorry, to me. Wait, sorry. Oh, I, no. It's because you hate women. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Oh, the table's turned. Um, no, I, I didn't not enjoy it. I think I enjoyed... The I enjoyed the first two acts. I enjoyed half of the third act, but I had problems throughout the whole movie. Um, I don't know. You want me to go first this time? You go first. So, Hustlers, I, yeah, I started off, I was really enjoying it. And I liked the, at the beginning, I liked the message of, you know, women can do what they want, you know sleazy Wall Street men should, you know, they're just... You should get some sort of comeuppance thing as they never They should some comeuppance, you know, stripping, watching women's strips, not the greatest thing. Look how seedy these men are. Um, and then the the characters of, of uh, J-Lo and some Constance Wu. Yes. Check me out. Knowing actors' names and shit. Um, and, then, and then the relationship that's building between J-Lo and Constance Wu, I, I really enjoyed the entire movie. And I think that's why in the third act, for me anyway, it all just falls apart because J-Lo's character is this motherly character who's looking after J-Lo and the film shows that she's kind of, I don't know, maybe greedy, maybe not smart enough to kind of keep her her con going indefinitely and Constant Wu's smart enough to go, nah, this is starting to get like ridiculous and you've brought in these fucking lunatics and they're going to get us fucked which they inevitably do and then the film just finishes with no closure it just stops um and it doesn't show you j-lo's like what happened to constance Wu. doesn't show you what happened to j-lo doesn't show you what happened between them two it just shows you that they both got caught and then julia styles interviewed them and that was it and i just kind of went i uh, what the I just didn't piece it together enough for me at all. I went on a path with this film. 
a whole path. I went on a path. I went on a rejourney. Uh, Audioboy, you were going to say something? No. I went on a rejourney. <laughs> I went on a rejourney for this film, which is... Uh, uh, Audioboy said to me, oh, go see Hustlers. Uh, it'll be a good film to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I'd seen the trailers for Hustlers. And I'm just like, that looks shite. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in seeing Hustlers. It looks like Magic Mike with women. Mm-hmm. No. And Gavin hates women. Well, I just, if I don't like Magic <laughs> Mike that has men then, in it. Had to get it in there. Uh, well, in fact, no. Uh, I think Magic Mike 1 is an interesting film. And then Magic Mike 2 is just shite. Because it was just like, oh, let's just do the whole stripping thing. Whereas Magic Mike 1 actually tried to be... Because Aaron, not uh, Steven Soderbergh tried to do something really interesting with, I think, Magic Mike. But it didn't really... I didn't together. see either of the Magic Mike films. I would recommend checking out the first one. It's kind of interesting. It's not just... You know, honestly, when I first met you, I thought you'd be the kind of guy that would recommend Magic Mike to me. Uh, <laughs> now, well, now that I know you more, I know you're not. But back then... I don't know what how to take that, what that means, but okay. I thought you were gay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're in the It Chapter 2 right now, I won't say just in case. <laughs> I'll keep it secret. You'll carve your and someone else's yeah. name on a bench. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so then I went and saw the film because mm-hmm. like for the podcast and stuff. I'll go see the film for, for the podcast. For the podcast, I'll take one for the team. Oh, yeah, I'll go watch these women dance sexually. I guess. <laughs> oh, what a, a hard afternoon this is going to be. Quite literally, boom, boom. Yeah, we're going to joke. Uh, yeah, the film started, and then uh, I was watching it initially, and I was like, "Why? What was Audio Boy on about that this mm-hmm. would be something?" To, I just at first I wasn't getting it. I was just like, "What am I supposed to be getting from this film that is going to be worth talking about?" Yeah. And then the more it went on, the dynamic that then, I feel like I've said the word dynamic too much today, the relationship that formed between Constable and Jennifer Lopez's, Jennifer Lopez's character. Uh, you can refer to her as J-Lo. Okay, J-Lo. That's what that, she prefers. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and the way that evolved started to draw me in. Yeah. And then this weird thing happened where that film completely just kind of put hooks in me and pulled me in and had me just transfixed to it and I wasn't sure why mm-hmm. and it's not the obvious thing of sexy women dancing because <laughs> that kind of goes away after a while and it becomes about these characters I, I, I would argue that it doesn't ever go away it spends much of the film showing you women dancing and men getting drugged and then at the end of the film when they're not even in the strip club anymore hey look at these women wearing barely anything and looking very sexy I mean yes everyone looks <sighs> very sexy but my brain stopped seeing that and instead started focusing oh, on these. So I was right. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I'm just appreciating a good film. I know. I'm joking. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was those two characters and their story that uh, kind of really, really drew me in because mm-hmm. the way I perceived it was Jennifer Lopez is the antagonist of that film. She is the bad guy in the end. She... A? She manipulates and uses Constance Wu and a few of the other girls around her and just so happens to become friendly with her at the same time. What? Primarily, she is this... Literally, when I saw her on screen, the first thing I thought was, this is like... You know that scene in Jungle Book when... uh, What's the wee kid called? Mowgli. When Mowgli uh, goes into the jungle and then gets kind of hypnotised by the snake. Car. Thank you for knowing these characters' names and gets like kind of hypnotised by the snake and like, put yeah. under its spell and stuff that's the way I looked at the dynamic between Constance Wu and J-Lo J-Lo yeah. was the snake and Constance Wu was just Mowgli just innocent and just looking for anyone to look after and help this kind of lost wee child and she was like 
I can use this for my means. I mean, yeah, but rather than the wait, wait. hustlers, no, in that, in that, what's the word I'm looking for? In that uh, scenario, metaphor, Constant was Mowgli and J-Lo is Bagheera, who is this parental figure that kind of, I not, not even begrudgingly actually, just takes them in and kind of starts looking after them. I didn't see it as a parental them. figure. I saw it as what? someone How? who saw Constance Wu as a tool to be used for her to gain money and it just so happened that they became friends out yeah. of it but I'd, I'd kind of agree with you on that except then J-Lo would have thrown her under the bus at some point but the reason it all goes to shit well I feel like she goes J-Lo's she goes, fucks it. she goes into that situation with the intention of using her and then ends up befriending her and falling in love with her almost seeing her as her sister yeah. and didn't plan for that or expect that and that's why later on in the film she tries to kind of push her out and bring in other people so that she doesn't get as affected by what's happening and she can use these other people and manipulate these other people instead that's the way I looked at the film and that for me now that's completely my interpretation mm. it could be 100% wrong the director it's, could come in and I'm not going to say 100 I'm going to say 85% okay thank you for 85 the director could, and the writer could come in and say no Gav you could play but for me Looking at it that way, that's what drew me to that film and had me so uh-huh. interested by it. The other thing that had me interested was the director of uh, the film, which I'd brought up and I've uh, forgotten already, uh, Lorraine Scafaria, uh, wife of Bo Burnham, there you go, who there did eighth go. grade this Bonus year. Uh, she has such an intense vision with this film. Mm-hmm. I feel like the camera work, the music, and the way it's edited together shows a director that I'm excited to see more from because I feel her vision. It's, yeah, it's funny. That I, sorry. Her vision was so, it kind of like pulsated from the screen at times. It was just so intense and just drew you in. You were just so hooked by it. I was like, yeah. this is a director who not only is... I'm really surprised that film was directed by a woman. Sorry, I, I, mean, I, I feel genuinely... Like, I, I feel like for, we're in a day and age in Hollywood now where women are more willing to do things like that if they know it's a female director because they feel more comfortable and more safe. I know, but I think the reason I'm more like I think I, I think I said this to Audio Boy. I kind of touched on it. It's yeah, I get that. I totally understand that. And the whole film tries to do the look sleazy men. You shouldn't go strip clubs. Strip clubs are bad. And look what might happen to you. And blah 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 blah. blah. But then it has so many scenes where it just shows you women stripping. <laughs> like I mean, but you can't avoid constant. it. Yeah, but you I, could, but I feel you could. You no, nah, you you could you could have film an entire film that is about women who work in a strip club without showing five minute long sequences but, of them stripping for men. But the one of the interviews that I read uh, and the way the director talked about it was these are athletes and this is their sport and they are very good at it and they make money from it and they use it to fund their house, Mm -hmm. pay their bills, look after their kids. Why should we shy away from something that they are good at, some may be proud of, and... Well, because some may be proud of it, but unfortunately the stripping... I know, but... There's a lot of shit that goes along with stripping. The larger aspect of Hustlers, which I like, is for once, it's a movie that has the aspect of women stripping, but it's not the focus of the film. It's not like these women strip and it's... Yeah, but it is. No, but it's... The first two acts are full uh, of women stripping. No, but what I mean by that is like the film doesn't treat strippers and women who strip as if their life is consumed by stripping. No, I... Yeah, totally And that's what I'm meaning by that. that. It's like, yes, there are scenes where you watch women strip, but the film doesn't treat stripping as anything lesser. 
it doesn't look upon well, so it I, as I something less. I disagree lesser. because I, I agree with you that, yeah, it shows that these women are people outside of just being strippers, which is great. But it still falls into all the tropes of... And now we're going to have a scene in the women's locker room with a bunch of half-naked women. Now we're going to have another scene of but J-Lo. How's we're literally going to have a scene of J-Lo stripping for, what, at the beginning? Three minutes? But, Just a full-on... But, what that, but that scene, yes, it's a great stripping scene. I ain't going to deny it. <laughs> but what that scene shows is the, the stature she has within that establishment. Mm-hmm. It's like, everyone else does their stripping bits and they're like they make the money and whatnot but when she walks out on stage she takes over that place she takes control she's the one in charge she's the lioness of the I place I appreciate the, the the meaning behind it but they could do that without having her but, stripping but if it's they could have had to see stripping is a part of her career and a part of her life it's not the sole focus but it's an aspect so why shy away from it and not just show it why be afraid of it well, because the film itself shows you that they, why do, they you, do stripping why, as a last resort it's almost as if you're I have a problem with stripping because yes, it, it helps like, the sex industry, which is also a fucking shit show. Sure. But in the context of this film, you you can't have this film without showing it. You can. You can. You can do the whole film without having women, like, strip. But I just, I feel that for the for the women in this film, it's a, it's a part of their life. It's not the focus of their life. It, sh- it should be shown. And I feel... Why that, should it be shown? Because I, I feel that it shows them in places and these kind of powerful, powerful positions because you because you think no, of a stri- no, 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 wait, no, no. wait when it you doesn't, I don't care how much you want to say they when a woman is fucking flailing around on a pole half naked and getting money thrown at her they're not in a power position I don't care how much the film tries to make it look like look how much money JLo's making look at these men eating from the palm of her hand oh look she's so strong and so powerful nah stripping's fucking awful <laughs> like, and you could show that exact sequence by having her walk out and having a creepy guy run after her and try and talk to her while she's talking to constant Wu on the way out and and still show that she's the fucking the, the lioness the fucking top dog in that place without objectifying j-lo but the film is constantly objectifying j-lo and every other woman in it that's the problem <laughs> i just like the way the film went about focusing on it I, i'm sure you did what do you feel audio boy i'd be interested to see what you think <laughs> What? I am. That's That was a true statement. Uh, I felt this would be an interesting topic of conversation. And I feel that it has been an interesting topic of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we said our piece. We're probably going to get into a bigger argument about this on uh, on the walk home. So what would you recommend or the not recommend home? the movie? Where are we walking? What? We're walking to the quiz. Yeah. I was just a... Uh... Fuck off. Recommend or not recommend? <laughs> it recommend, definitely. Yeah, I... I... I, unfortunately, I didn't enjoy it that much. I, I kind of did what you were talking about during it. I was kind of like, at one point, and I wanted to enjoy it so much more, and I just didn't. Um, and my biggest, yeah, I've, I've kind of spoke about it, but yeah, so I'm going to give it a, ugh, it was definitely better than it, though, so i got to go higher than a, what, like a three, did I say? Like, like a that four. Low? Real, Jesus Christ. Man, I just, I re- just, yeah. I mean, I had issues with it. One thing I will say is there's been... Oscar buzz talk about it for like JLo's performance and stuff. Yeah, the which, film's good. JLo's fucking fantastic in this film. I'm I like. Not, I, I got no. I got no like, problems admitting that JLo's performance. JLo's like, performance, even Constant Wu's performance, are both. I, mean, I thought Constant Wu was a little weak at times, which wasn't yeah, really always weaker. that. Wasn't always able to hold the film together. That's but I think next to JLo, JLo is fucking immense in this film. I'm like, that's a great performance. But the Oscar buzz talk around this film, calm down, people. Yeah, calm down. Not a chance. Is that? 
Oscar I would never content. have said that was Oscar worthy. No, I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it anywhere near as much. Even, it's only because I've heard rumblings, people talk. I'm just like, even in the world of, this film's not great, but this person's got a best actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nomination. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have said that. All right. Uh, how long have we been recording, Audio Boy? Uh, just shy of an hour. Okay. We can probably cram in two short ones. Uh, so we could do... We have, we want to do Rambo? What do you fancy? Rambo? Rambo Last Bloods? And then we've got to end on The Farewell. I think so. Yeah. We I think so. To. So Rambo. Uh, yeah, Rambo 5. Rambo Last Blood. Rambo 5, Rambo Last Blood, the, f- the finale. Is it though? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you stuck around, not even an after credit sequence, just if you stuck around for the entire animated credits that they love to do, you would have seen it's not the final blood. It's probably going to be the first of another trilogy blood. or something. <laughs> it can't be a trilogy. There's no fucking way. It depends um, how this, well this does at the box office. It's probably not well, yet. So I don't think that information will be out yet. But. What I find interesting about this, and it's it's a there's a there's a conversation to be had about diminishing returns. And I went into Rambo with the lowest of expectations. Yes. Um my only expectation was that I wanted to see a bunch of people get brutally murdered yeah that happened and i left now the rest of the film isn't isn't great nope but because i got what i wanted i have ranked that pretty you know what i mean like i, I rank that higher yes. in my my internal ranking system because i got what i wanted so oh, no. i'm not saying sorry when you went i'm not ranking this high no i just i'm just looking at the budget <laughs> oh, oh god how much it's made so the production budget 50 million Okay. So far, worldwide, it's made $46 million. Ooh, it's not good for Rambo. This is what? It's been out for like... A week. It's a short film, so not short film. It hasn't been out for too long. I'd say a week, two weeks. No, Max. it's not been two weeks. I'd say like... It came out... I'd say a week at this point. Week at a point? Oh. As of recording this, it's been out for a week. Which is still But by the time bad. this episode comes out... It'll so be a- has it, it's done a weekend, yeah. Of yeah, it's it done has. a weekend. And oh, okay, that's bad. Mm. That's real bad then. <laughs> so yeah, so Rambo, The Last Blood. We'll try and make this one quicker. Directed um, by Adrian Grunberg. It was, for me, like it tries to give Rambo... Um, can I just give Rambo more of a more of a it tries to give him some emotional stakes emotional stakes and instead of just either teaming up with the Taliban or shooting the Vietnamese <laughs> which is what he does in two and three because and then, he gets told to by a, a, an authority figure yeah and in number four which was on TV we, last night we stopped for a wee bit he's just killing Indonesian people and that movie's just dark and unpleasant <laughs> so unpleasant um, and this one they try to give him emotional stakes so he Never heard of them before, but he's got a, not a daughter, but he's raised a girl from 10. He's raised her for 10 years. No, eight. Sorry. So eight to 10, because she's 18 in this. Yeah. So. Because her father left and her mother passed away, leaving her, leaving him, the 18 year old and the grandmother. And the grandmother. On a and, ranch in Texas. And the, the 18 year old, as 18 year olds want to do, decides that she wants to go and find out why her dad left her. Let's not forget the, the, the really cool party they have in the tunnels. Oh, the tunnels. Well, I can't wait to talk about those tunnels. <laughs> Let's wait. So the 18-year-old, yeah, has a party, then tells Rambo the plan, then fucks off to Mexico. Uh, and on her one night in Mexico, gets drugged and sold to a, like a horrible, like the worst like kind a, of pimp. Uh, yeah, yeah, pimp or like I mean, it's, it's a pimp, but it's like a sex slave thing. Thing. Like a like a really bad slave brothel, yes. I guess is it's not not pleasant at all. And yeah, sold to these two brothers that are the most mustache twirlingly villainous. It's this is something villains. I was saying to Audible last night when uh, Rambo Four was on the TV, which is 
because of the horrendously violent acts that Rambo enacts yeah. on people, they have to make the villains so <laughs> evil and so villainous yeah. that they just become cartoonish. Yeah. So, like, in the, the one that was on the TV last night, uh, which is just called Rambo, dumb. I thought it was, uh, okay. Oh, yeah, it was. It's just called Rambo. So yeah. It's like every single man in that who's a villain tries to rape a woman. Every single one of them. I mean, that's a lot. And then in this how, one, how many men are villains in that movie? There's like two. <laughs> They're like plus is an in, the Indonesian militia group of some kind. Yeah. Uh, and then in the Last Blood, it's two men who just treat women as objects, sell them in the sex industry, drug them, sell them into the sex industry, torture them. Yeah. Yeah. They they are made out to be horrendously bad people. Which then, when it comes time for Rambo to be Rambo and kill people. You're like, yeah, go Rambo. It's like, you can't be upset at the level of violence he enacts his men. It's like, yeah, take it. They deserve it. Yeah. And, and yeah, so the very briefly, the fi- the final story plot before it descends into 40 minutes, 30 minutes? 30 minutes, I think. 25, 30 minutes, 30 minutes of, of Rambo. Just absolute <laughs> bloody chaos. Carnage. In those tunnels. <laughs> um, is Rambo's adopted daughter goes to mexico gets sold uh drugged yada 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 sold to these dickheads they then drug her rambo comes in steals her away she dies on the drive back which was bold so it sounds like taken up to this point it would i mean pretty much um, it's kind of taken but if liam neeson did find his daughter but got beat to a bloody pulp <laughs> And then she died. And then she died. (laughs) And that was bold. That was was fucking just hardcore of them going, yeah, let's just kill the daughter. Fuck it. And then, I mean, but then, like you say, it kind of gives Rambo... You mean you're just, always rooting it for it? It means that he could have done. He, genuinely, he probably could have done anything to those people, and because, I would have gone. Yeah, well, they deserved that because if she survived and he got her to a hospital, and then they were like, "Let's go get them." He would still be justified in the violence, but not to the level he goes to. But because she died, yeah. you're just like, fuck it, go nuts. <laughs> Have fun, John. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then it's 30 minutes of carnage. and uh, In the tunnels. In the tunnels. And let's, let's, so let's. <laughs> we've teased the tunnels. <laughs> now let's talk about these yeah. tunnels. <laughs> I think we can both say that we've, we've fairly enjoyed this. It, it, it's, you, you get what you, you I mean, for example, I, on the same day I went and saw It Chapter 2, and then I went uh, to the pub. I had about. I needed pints after it, chapter two, obviously. So I had about three or four pints. And then I uh, saw there was a showing for Rambo. I thought, fuck it. I don't need to be sober for this. So then I walked into Rambo. Uh, not enthusiastic, <laughs> but like, fuck it. Fuck it, it's I'll on. take it. It's only 90 minutes. It's nice, it's breezy, it's quick. Yeah. And <laughs> it's... Fine. It's, it's what you were expecting, though. I, I laughed at it, not yep. with it. And so I I give the film props for some good practical effects mm. and some good CG, and some good blood squibs and real blood effects. Yeah. There's no CGI squibs in this. There's, n- there's no blood CGI. Blah blah blah. It's, it's everything's some, a there's some good act. Well, there's some decent action <laughs> and there's some good deaths. Yep. You always expect good deaths from a Rambo movie. This give, this film gives you some good deaths. But in the end, when he's monologuing and sitting on his porch in the rocking chair, I just, and like, is he going to die? Is he not going to die? I was like, I don't give two fucks. And that, in turn, uh, comes down to the fact that Rambo's face is 90, not Rambo, Sylvester Sloan's face is uh, 90% plastic plastic now. So 
that poor man is trying to emote anything and it's just like looking at the, the one scene in the car when the girl dies he gives something yeah outside of that it's just just a plastic I don't bag. think he can move half of his it's face. just a plastic bag that's been like nailed to a wall he looks a bit like Mike Myers in Halloween like somebody's got a Sly Stallone mask bleached it put it on him and that's yeah well, I think one way I described it is as if they'd cut off Sly Stallone's face stretched it across a mannequin face and then put that on his body and sent it out to act or or Sly Stallone's face ripped off and then put on the kid from Mask sure right yeah like it's kind of the, his face is really tall it's, yeah it's weird but yeah um hey let's just talk about it the reason <laughs> Sylvester Stallone lures all of the uh, the rapist torturers into tunnels that he himself dug. That he himself has dug. For and no <laughs> apparent no, reason whatsoever no, no, that he just wanted to dig the tunnels. The film explains the film's explanation oh, I'm sorry, yes, the, the film tunnels. explains, quotation marks. The, 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 the adopted daughter says, hey, Rambo, let me have the party. He goes, oh, show them the tunnels. She's like, oh, you don't let anyone in the tunnels. He's like, I'm going to let you and your friends in the tunnels. So they go into the tunnels. They have their party. They fuck off. Uh, they have the saddest, most walking around tunnels. Literally, they show up at like eight and go home at eleven. <laughs> they all drink one beer each, probably a Bud Light. One guy tries to kiss her, she says no, she and off. he accepts that. Which I'm like, good, good on him. Good on him. He respected her boundaries, and then they just leave, and she just puts like three bottles into bag and says, "Oh, I need to tidy up." <laughs> well, no f- You're in fucking tunnels. So then Rambo comes back and goes, "Well, what did you tell me about my tunnels?" <laughs> and uh, she, the film's explanation. Well, I told them that you're a little bit crazy and you like to dig tunnels. Rambo goes, I suppose so. And that's it. That's that's fucking. That's why his entire farm has a fucking badger's nest of of tunnels underneath it. Because because he's a little bit crazy and he likes to dig tunnels. And they're they're laden with C4 and guns and (laughs) weird. Well, there's one room that's full of. There's one room that's an armory. Yes. And then he, uh, Kevin McAllister's the fuck out of it. Does the most violent Home Alone esque (laughs) tunnel system where like a guy's foot falls into a a box of <laughs> knives yeah and then he just throws another knife at his head there's the, the the other one that i love where he just rigs a bunch of shotgun blasts into a plank of wood so yes. that when you step on it all the shotgun blasts pff, fuck your shins off yep into oblivion he's got the classic uh spike floor so you fall down into classic some spikes. Spike floor. uh three blades that swing out of a wall and just clip yep. you in the fucking head the big fucking one that, like big plank of or a big log of wood that comes down and hits you in the head and caves your face in. Great. It's all, all, all staples of All the, the classic, <laughs> like, <laughs> mutilating traps that you want. And, and at this point in the movie, I know that they weren't going to do it without, you know, without murdering all these people, but the, the, the bad guys turn up on the farm. They, in their black SUVs, one of the black SUVs blows up out of nowhere and... A, a, a wall of fire appears. Then they all get out and they're like, what the fuck's going on? And Rambo pops up, shoots another one in the back of the head. Like and a fucking like, oh, gopher out of the ground. Yeah. They're like, go, go check the barn. And there's three of them at the barn and a sprinkler comes on, soaks them in gasoline. Rambo shoots a bag, which is full of fire or something. Oh, I don't fucking know. But it explodes, sets three more of them on fire. And then at that point, Surely you'd go, oh, you know what? This guy clearly has this. He's prepared <laughs> and we're on the back foot and we should probably turn around and run. But no, let's follow him into these uh, into this little trap door that he's put on the ground. They do. They get trapped in his fucking tunnels. Yeah, his elaborate tunnel system. And at which point, at what point would you decide, 
fuck this. People are falling around me like flies. Every single yeah. turn has a I can trap. answer the question in the context of the henchman from Rambo, which is never. You just keep going you just further keep in, apparently. Following. Yeah. I, and, and you hear this bloody, the blood curling <laughs> screams of your compa- compatriots from down the hallway. And you think, Do you know what? I'm going to walk towards that. Man, that sounds I, like a good idea. What, and what I find even funnier about that is if you were in there, if I was in there, I'd be like, yo, Gavin, uh, do you want to just fucking leave? I'd be like, uh, yes, please. Yeah. Uh, and, and here's the thing. He's already killed one of the brothers uh, terrible. Yeah. The other brother terrible. Judging by the car chat on the way over, I was trying to play I Spy, but he was just talking about how he was going to chase this guy to the ends of the earth. So he ain't coming out of these tunnels. Yeah, he's in here somewhere and he's in until either he wins or Rambo wins. This guy, this random fucking guy Rambo, he's going to win. I'm pretty sure now. If we just fuck off back to Mexico, even if the rest of the gang ask us what the fuck happened, we just tell them, oh, they sent us back. They said... They're retreat, coming back. Retreat, run. Retreat, we, retreat. So death we, we has did. come to get us all. And and no one will know because all of them are dead. What do you say? Uh, yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Oh, fuck me. When do you have that conversation? Never. You're right. Those people just kept fucking like lemmings to the fucking slaughter. Oh, it, was, it was ridiculous after a while, but, it's, but it was fun to watch them it was all fun to get watch. pulverized. So yeah, Rambo, recommend? Um, I'd wait till it shows up on a streaming service. Don't if, you, if you have a if you have a Cine World card, if yeah, if you got a Cine World card, and you got a free afternoon. You're out with your pals. You have a couple of pints. Go for it. Go it's for just it. stupid fun that you can laugh at. I'm I'm putting that on five. That's I, a that's a midway film for me. All I want, I just the finishing point I want to make is I don't know what happened to the Rambo franchise. I don't know because the first Rambo is a beautiful film. It, it touches upon PTSD and the struggles of uh, the men who came back from the Vietnam War, and it's has a beautiful monologue and incredible acting by Sylvester Stallone in that yeah. movie. That film is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's brilliantly paced. It's a great thriller. And then apparently everyone forgot about that movie <laughs> and they just made four of the same dumb, <laughs> bloody, violent, shite nonsense. And I'm just like, what happened? It's, yeah. it's, it's weird that people have that. They think that Rambo is just blood and guts and they've forgotten about I think in Rambo else. First Blood, like maybe three people die. But then in it's Ra- more than three. But yeah, but it's like I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then I think he accidentally kills one person in that movie, and like when he's back in America. Yeah. But in Rambo Three, the kill count's over two hundred. <laughs> it's a lot. And he helps the Taliban in that movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> not great. So wrap that one. I think. Yeah. Move on to the final movie. Um, and oh boy. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this one. <laughs> oh, man. So it's The Farewell, which uh, is still out in select cinemas currently. Yes. And if you... I'm going to say it now. If you can see it, go. See Just go. If, of if, all the films we've talked about on this list, this is the 100%. best 100%. Um, fun story. We... Oh, I got told, hey, why don't you meet me at the cinema at this time? We're going to go see Downton Abbey and then we can go record. For context, our, I, this is me telling This is Gavin this. saying this. Yeah. You know. This is the, yeah. G- Gary, come along here. We're going to watch the Downton Abbey movie. Then we can record our Downton Abbey episode. That'll be a good laugh, right? Yeah, totally. Fucking, that sounds sweet to me. Turn up at the cinema. It's running late. Shocking. We go in, we sit down. There's uh, Oriental music being played. And I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. And then the farewell popped up and I thought, ah, it's funny. I, you, know, you tricked me. You got me. I've not done any reading about the farewell at this point. I don't know what the fuck I'm about to sit down for. And then... God, I'm a good friend. God, you're a good friend. <laughs> 30 minutes into the film, I realized what was happening. And my my little heart started to rip. Just a touch. Would you like to give a wee 
I'll give a wee synopsis of the plot. That makes, that makes more I sense if I talk it. about it yet. Because uh, The Farewell, uh, it's about uh, this girl and her mum and dad who live in New York, but they are uh, originally they're, they're, they're from... immigrants from, from Originally China. from China. Uh, and they are told that their nai-nai, which is their gran... Uh, on the has, father's side. On the father's side. Has cancer and has about three months to live, but they're not going to tell the gran... It's it's a part of their kind of, of cultural... And Chinese culture. I don't know if it's Chinese culture or if it's just part of the, the area they're from, but it's... Their tradition and their culture yes. to not let not tell them because they want to they want for them to the live saying out. is that it's not the cancer that kills them it's the the, the knowledge of death yes. that ruins so they would rather them, them live out the last few months or days or weeks of their life as happy as they can well surrounded they by can. the family they love uh, so they all go back for the pretense of it being for a wedding but it's really for the whole family to see her and then it's just this beautiful film where you just experience in the most purest form a family being a family together mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful it's so gorgeous it's so touching it's so inviting it's also wildly informative and teaches you about a side of culture that you're just no, not aware just, of because yeah, I, w- I was learning so much from that film totally. that it was interesting that because at first when the film was like oh yeah we're not going to tell the gran that she's got cancer i was like immediately with my western brain being like that's terrible you shouldn't do that mm. But over the Which, course, and then the film does a really good job yeah, of showing. And then over the course the, of the film, it shows you why they do this. To the point, by the end of it, I was with them. I agreed with them, and I understood why they were doing it, and mm. I accepted it. And I kind of loved that the film did that. Yeah, it's not something I'll personally do in my life. I don't think you get away with it over here. No, yeah, like they said in the film, in it's, America, it's this would be illegal. illegal. Yeah, but it's still. I understood why they did it, and I kind of loved why they did it as well because of what the story shows you of the experience of the the, the gran and the, how happy she is to have her two sons back with her and her oh, she's uh, just happy to see her fucking family oh it's like, so beautiful and the, the the actress who plays the gran might be the purest most beautiful so human sweet. being on a planet she's so incredible and she she reminds me so much of my own nan yes so <laughs> uh, do you want to go into that at all oh, or man so uh, for anyone that doesn't know, my nan, who was very, very dear to me, passed. And it was, she's passed a good couple of years ago now. So, yeah. you know, these things happen. I'm, I'm aware of that. But watching, <laughs> watching a film with a woman who reminded me so very much of my nan and her sister, who reminded me so very, very much of my aunt and a family saying goodbye and realizing that, you know, I didn't quite get to say goodbye the way I wanted to. And I didn't get a fucking whatever. The last 30 minutes when it all starts to come to a head, oh boy, I was a, I was gone. My heart had ripped the whole way. I was weeping. Gavin was just next to me, not making a single fucking noise. I couldn't hear anyone else making a noise. So I was doing that thing of, right, cry quietly, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't cry quietly. I was fucking in bits. I was, I was just gone. Yeah. I couldn't help it though. It was heartbreaking. It was so incredibly heartbreaking. Go see that movie. And I guess for then fun context, uh, the, the film ends and Gary's crying and uh, I'll leave for a wee bit. I need to go uh, relieve my bladder. So I'll, I'll give Gary's if time. cry in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I keep all my emotions very deep down inside of me. <laughs> uh, plus I have none left. How's that working out for you? I, I, have, I have none left at this point. Anyway, so I left. I gave Gary his time uh, just to, you know. And it was a long time. I sat through almost all of the credits. Yeah, I, I took my time paying 
I'm not joking, we're going to try him. And then if I was another part of like, when we walked up to the cinema, you were like, oh, I'm going to grab some popcorn or drink. Like, cool. And the, the girl who's serving us, you went, hey, we've never watched an episode of Downton Abbey. <laughs> we're going to see the Downton Abbey movie. I'll tell you what it's like when we come out. And I'm thinking like, okay. And then we come out of the movie, because I wasn't sure if you knew we were seeing The Farewell or not. No, happened. you didn't tell me. I'm sure I did. You 100% didn't. Anyway, so we come out of the movie and you're still kind of crying and holding it back. And I was just like, I need to bring some cheer and some jovialness <laughs> to this situation. And I'm like, do you want to go tell her what you thought of Downton Abbey? As you're just like uncontrollably weeping. Just like, and I was just dreaming. And I was just like, if he goes up to her and he's like, it was so beautiful. It was a great Abbey movie. Was, it was everything I wanted oh, it to be. Man. It was like, and then we're, we're getting escalators down. And for more context, this is the first time ever that Gary and I have gone to the cinema together. Him and Audio Boy, at this point, it's just a daily event that those to go to the cinema together. But me and Gary, we finally went to the cinema together last week. And the first film I take him to emotionally snaps him in half Broke and leaves me. him a blubbering mess. Yeah. So I'm this like, is why we went to see Dora. It's <laughs> <laughs> fun thing. So I'm just kind of like, hey, so welcome. this is what it's like when you come to the cinema with me, Gary. So That's great. But yeah, I think uh, I, I, it's the, the only film on this list that I don't want to I don't want to spoil, really. Yeah. And I think we've done a pretty good job so far. So I, I kind of want to leave it there. Recommend, not recommend? 100. Like, if you could only see one film out of all the ones we talked about today, go see The Farewell. It is gorgeous. It is. Uh, and for me, yes. it's a it's a solid, yeah, it's a solid 10. It's, it's, I'm never, it's a solid 10 out of 10 movie and I'm never going to watch it ever. Yeah, again. you're <laughs> never going near that film again. Um, but just anyone who doesn't know, it is, it is subtitled. I think that's the Yes, it is can, primarily yeah, subtitled. Primarily. There's English through it, but it's, it's mostly subtitles. If you're not into subtitled films, uh, grow up uh, and yeah, fucking yeah, become an adult and watch this fucking <laughs> subtitled film. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, guys, I think we'll wrap it there. Uh, any other films that you wanted to at least just very quickly say was good or bad? Uh, jump onto Netflix and watch the Between Two Ferns movie. It's hilarious. Is that Galifianakis? Yeah, it's real fun. And I will say... And stick around for the bloopers at the end of that movie as well, because they are so good. Uh, Ready or Not with Samara Weaving and... Oh, I think that's probably the only actor of note. Oh, and the guy from... The uh, the OC. Yeah. yeah. We both knew that. Adam Brody, Adam Brody, something like that. Yeah, he was in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, man, it's along the lines of Cabaret in the Woods. It's a horror film, which is so tongue in cheek and so aware of everything it's doing. Brilliant fun. Uh, if you get a chance, go see Ready or Not. It's it's a, it's a hoot. <laughs> it is a hoot. But yeah. All right, guys, that's it for me. I've been Gary. Uh and I forgot what my name was, so I've been Gavin. <laughs> I think it was the man of a thousand compliments. Oh, I'm the man of a thousand compliments. Give me another one. No, I'm going to give Audio Boy one this time. Go for it. Uh, Trench foot. Oh, I was going to... Never mind, no compliment for Audio Boy then. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, we've been the Meandering Movie Podcast. You can catch us at Gmail. Meandering Movie Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, jump over to Twitter at Meandering Pod. If you go to Facebook or Instagram, you can search for the Meandering Movie Podcast and you'll find I us there. Find us there. Uh, Gary's on Twitch, uh, Pixels Cafe. Yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. listening to this in iTunes, all of this is in the description down below, so you can click on all those handy links. Uh, and yeah, have yourself a wonderful week. And nope, I thought it's the beginning of Spoopy Month. Spoopy. Yeah, we'll do some horror-based stuff, I guess. And bye. We'll... Okay. <laughs> well, bye then. After we're gonna have a conversation, you just said bye. <laughs> bye. It's me and in movies. It's me and in movies. It's me and in movies. So won't you lend an ear? <laughs>